Good afternoon, everybody. This is Made in EDH, and I'm Chris. And I'm Kayla. And today we have two guests with us talking with us about Rule Zero, and our guests are... Hi, my name's Ian. And I'm Jonathan. And today we are talking about the infamous Rule Zero that everyone's been talking about in Commander. It apparently has been impacting our format for a while now. Uh, I haven't personally experienced it much. I've experienced it a couple of times, the two times I went to a car shop to play Commander, but otherwise I haven't really encountered it very much. Um, but we do have five topics today I'd like to bring up that I've seen with Rule Zero, and I'm thinking they're interesting topics to debate on. And the first topic is, what do you know about Rule Zero, first of all? Um, what I know about Rule Zero is it's kind of like a casual thing. It's what's what we call keeping the format casual. It's like the house rules. Rule Zero, we don't want this, we don't want that. Um, you know, I'm not playing a traditional thing. I'm playing an, a Planeswalker that's not a commander option. Are you cool with that? Um, I'm playing an undeck, you know, those kinds of things. But over the years, Rule Zero has quite changed from that. And it wasn't initially Rule Zero. Like I said, it was household rules. So now this household rules thing has become a Rule Zero conversation. Everyone's like enforcing. And what else do you know about rule zero because i did some research i know what's going on with the very from various podcasts and videos um but i would like to hear from each of you what your take from what you know about what rule zero is so i'm gonna be honest until you had mentioned rule zero i didn't know what it was so i actually did a little bit of reading on a little blog about it and yeah what you were saying about you know household rules it's kind of what it was mentioning it's kind of it's an established like an agreement between the player the play group to make things flow and like what cards are banned what doesn't work how are people going to mull again stuff like that um but yeah as far as going to card shops no one had ever mentioned rule zero before so I haven't really run into that issue. All right. Yeah, with uh, yeah, with the uh, card shops, at least what I've seen, there's no rule zero because that's basically where uh, a lot of people play competitive. Um, I mean, again, house rules. It's it's kind of hard to establish a rule zero without taking like 10, 20 minutes off your playtime. If you're at the store for only a couple hours, you want to get one or two games in before like, oh, I've got to leave at 8 o'clock. I need to get to bed here pretty soon or whatnot. Yeah. But yeah, uh, rule zero uh, is usually, as far as I can tell, uh, it's basically pretty straightforward uh, using... Uh, again, the house rules to establish what you want uh, to see in a game. Um, honestly, I hadn't heard of it until you had mentioned it to me last week, Chris, and I was under the impression that I actually liked the Rule Zero concept. You know, it's kind of like Session Zero in D&D, um, yeah, so I think in terms of the Rule Zero, I definitely agree with Jonathan. Um, I think, you know, when you're playing with your casual group and your small pod, you definitely want to establish a Rule Zero. Um, 
but it it's going to be a little harder when you go to shops. Um, something that I've talked about with a couple people now is when you go to shops and you try to talk about the power level of the deck, a lot of people don't know their own power. I guess I'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's very true. Um, and I think, like, with that, we kind of now have a little bit that all of us kind of have some little um, comparisons to Rule Zero and what it is. I think we all have a very similar page to what it is. So for what we know, which is the first topic, it seems like we all kind of get the idea that it's kind of like a house rule, more so than actual impactful thing. Yeah. Um... So I guess we should just go into our next topic. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, coffee is always welcome. Yeah, <laughs> coffee. Got it. Got to drink it up. It helps with the sore throat. <laughs> um, our second topic being of uh, the uh, power level evaluation. Is it straightforward to be useful? Um, so. I posted the power level chart into our Facebook page um, on our messenger in our EDH group that we have. And I got to be honest, I don't like it. Mm. Um, I think it's a really weird gauging. Like, so competitive is turn zero and it's like constant play but like if you think about it, i'm playing a casual jank deck but oh no i got the situationally best hand in the world i had a dream hand and i can win on turn zero but my deck's not competitive does that mean it's a competitive deck at that point with how this power scale works just because if it, it was just a situational good starting hand I think that's a hard thing to gauge, and the fact that we have to gauge power levels based on that is, I think, kind of the start of something I don't like to see in a format that's supposed to be casual. So, yeah. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, you're fine. Uh, I was just going to say, um, I completely agree with that, and looking at this list, and honestly, I have a hard time picking a number with like the majority of my decks even i've i've met a whole bunch of people that don't know what competitive is they say oh i'm not running a competitive deck and they're bringing something in like yeson and they're winning turn two and everyone's questioning whether or not it's competitive and he's like no i don't have all the uh expensive Cards. I'm only missing two out of the fifty expensive cards needed for this deck. Uh, this deck, and I'm just like, okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think the piggy piggyback off of Jonathan. Like, what got me into Commander was just the casual. Let's go sit down and play some Magic, and you know, people coming around turn two or turn three, going off like infinite combos. I it ruins the fun for me, and. So, yeah, I, I like it to be more, like, in those lower-scale power levels, so I don't think I'd like encountering a competitive EDH deck, but, I mean, at the same time, it gives the idea that I know I'm not going to be playing against that if someone values their deck at a lower level. So it, it has pros and cons. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge reason, like, reason why I got out of Standard, was because Standard is just 
competitive like nothing else <laughs> and with the power level chart i i gotta say i feel like they're trying to be like too nuanced i think there's too many numbers i think because most decks i feel like oh this could go this range is in between a you know four and a six it just like chris said it depends on your hand so i think more of like a scaling system would benefit rather than just a hard number I definitely agree with that. And um, we're looking at the power level chart, I think, that was made on Reddit, um, which is what we're referring to. And oh my gosh, I cannot see this image. <laughs> um, but like, so like, I, I have to have a little bit of a gripe because it's like, okay, so we have these power levels in in this format that range from 1 to 10, but pre-cons are a 3. It's like, See, okay... I don't agree with that. We have a 1 or a 2. Like, when is a deck actually worse than a pre-con? Is my, like, question. Like, okay, you think about most of the players are coming into EDH. They're not coming into EDH first-time Magic players. These are players that have been playing Magic, and they want to play something less competitive, so they come to this format. They're never going to be playing a deck one or two, so why does that zone even exist? Like, no new player comes in playing Commander with a deck that they just thought about works, because that means they didn't look at the ban list, which means their deck's just getting knocked out because it's banned. They're playing with banned cards, and they didn't know. and Or they just picked up a pre-con, which means it's level 3. So why well, does the first then, two even exist? Uh, with that, like, there's some pre-cons that I feel like are higher than level 3. Like, uh, I would say Calamax, the pre-con is pretty close to being, like, a four <laughs> and the Nahiri deck from a while back I thought was really good. Yeah, it they do definitely need like a sub leveling factor definitely for the power levels for the pre-cons because there are definitely big power spikes between the pre-cons. No, a lot has to do with the commander uh, the commander too, because like for one, uh for instance, uh uh talking about Calamax here. Everyone I'm assuming here at least knows like the basic oh I'm just gonna copy a spell which copies a spell and have infinite storm really right there, so I I think I'll I'll uh, briefly touch up on Calamax because I'm not sure Ian is aware of that one. What's up? Calamax. What's Calamax? Okay, I'll I'll tell you what it is. This is a precon. Hold your hold your seat here because this is a big boy. <laughs> um, it's a one colorless green, blue, red. It's called Calamax the Storm Sire. It's an element legendary creature, elemental dinosaur, four four, four four. Already really good stats. Whenever you cast your first instant or uh, whenever you cast your first instant spell each turn. If Calamax the Storm Sire is tapped, copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. And then has this extra little text. Whenever you copy an instant spell, put a 1-1 one -one counter on Calamax. Okay. 
So it's a storm deck. Right. The, deck, the pre-con deck is the pre-con deck honestly has a lot of synergy. It, I thought it was really good. <laughs> I mean, you did trash me and Jonathan, and we were building not pre-cons. We were playing yeah. some pretty cheap decks, and you, only, you just took the game away, and we could not do anything about it. I replaced two cards, so that's not even really touching it up at all. <laughs> exactly. Oh, uh, I can't remember what deck I was playing that time. I, I usually build... I think I usually build around six or five, but... You were playing again, Pirate. <laughs> oh, that's right! I was playing Pirates. Oh, Zara. <laughs> uh, well... But yeah, anyways, I think we're going too off-topic here. Uh, with... But yeah, well, like, with the, uh... The uh, commander decks, it, it only has gone up from there. Yeah. And I don't think we're too far off topic. We're talking about, like, okay, let's think about this pre-con here. Let's think about yeah. this pre-con versus, like, um, I don't know, one of the original pre-cons. So let's, let's say, like, the um, Riku of Two Reflections deck. Like, how do they compare? You know? Oh, right. Like... I think I think between if we talked about the two, I think Kalamax's deck construction is way better. Oh yeah, for sure. Because there's an there's a set theme now. Like that's the problem with like pre-cons nowadays versus back then is well, we had all these cards that were just good commander cards. There wasn't like a very strong synergy within the pre-con built in, but as the years have progressed, they've been fine-tuning these decks to just be able to run without having to do much. Which is good and bad. I would say even the strict Saven decks, they had a lot of synergy. Oh yeah. Um, okay, uh, anybody else want any more talk about this power level thing? Because I think it's pretty straightforward, and I don't think much of us like it. I think it really needs to be fine-tuned and fixed. Yeah. Or not exist. <laughs> yeah, I think there's just something to be said about, you know, a player who puts together the best of what they have out of their collection of magic cards versus playing against a player who goes on eBay and buys every little card they need. And gets you know the most efficient deck they have. That to me, you know, that's clearly David versus Goliath. But other than that, like the power level, I find to just be more confusing than helpful. Yeah, especially when like you're you're asked to check your power level, and it's like, how can you fairly assess your own power level when, like right. I said, like um, I played a risk deck and. It, that power level is maybe like a six or seven, actually seven or eight. I, that that's a little bit more risk the redeemed, and I got a turn three combo just happenstance happened to my hand, and I won turn three with like over a thousand tokens, a thousand powered creatures. Um, you know the deck isn't geared to do that. It was just a situationally good hand that just happened. So, I mean, the power level system is definitely flawed in that aspect, I think. So, um, but we're basically done with this topic, I believe, unless there is absolutely any last minute. I'm going to move on to the next topic. Nope, I think we're good. Looking at Kayla. 
<laughs> oh, we're good. <laughs> no, we're chaotic. Um, okay, okay. Um, so for our third topic here that we're talking about, this one is um, definitely the an interesting topic. I think um, there's this one's probably going to be a lot of the discussion. I feel like um, this is going to probably get very interesting. Uh, this is the third um, topic that's pretty important: the Rule Zero thing. Uh, so proxies and house rulings are they productive or destructive is the topic here so i think like if you're proxying cards you have that are expensive that you don't want to like go out and buy multiples of that's fine but like you know proxying maybe an expensive card that you want to put into the deck but you don't want to invest the money into i think that's that's something you'd have to ask your play group be like i want to buy this card but i want to see how it functions in the deck are you okay with that um, that's kind of something that's, I think sometimes happens in play groups and then like, maybe they don't buy the card, but they still use the proxy. Like, so what's the difference from buying the card and just using the proxy forever? You know, there's a weird, like nuance on that. And then you have like the house rulings where it's like, okay, you can play planeswalkers as your commanders. It's just as long as you don't do something absolutely broken and silly um do something like that or like oh we'll just do some weird rulings uh, you can have partners that aren't normally partner commanders <laughs> something crazy you know i think those kind of house rulings can be good and bad depending on your play group like i feel like if you're playing in a play group that's going to enjoy that go for it have a good time but if you're in a competitive play group they're not going to want to do that they're going to stick to the hardcore rules and do that and this is a casual format. Why are they coming in here with a competitive attitude like that? I mean, uh, yeah, I know why. <laughs> because they spent tons of money on their competitive decks. So, <laughs> yeah. And then you doing a house ruling that might put them at a disadvantage makes them not want to do that, maybe. Right. And uh, I think this is where I should chime in because, for one, I. I feel like this game, I, I personally believe that it, it's first and foremost a game. And if you're wanting to collect the pretty cards and whatnot, that's fine. But like, again, if somebody shows up at a casual table with a $1,000 deck, uh, they're going to outwin the game every single time because they're playing turn two and such. So again... With uh, proxies, it's uh, uh, again, it uh, depends on the table. But as as games go, everybody at least needs to have a fair chance of winning, if not, because most games like uh, Ascension and such, it's basically uh, based on luck, and everybody has an equal chance to get whatever cards they need to in order to win, and it. And that way it can create more interesting games and has have people interact with each other a lot more than somebody sitting there playing solitaire while the battle cruiser decks are sitting there with their one ones or their two twos trying to get into this. Yeah. I remember a few years ago like i was in a pod where people would make their own commanders uh yeah. wizards wizards don't come for me 
but <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> I think that's just really fun, like seeing the things people come up with. So yeah, and in the end, like it is a game, and you know sometimes like people just take it a little bit too far at times, and this is supposed to be a casual format, so. You know, I mean, if you're competitive, what's the definition of casual here versus like, you know, dealing with like a competitive like, OK, if this is casual, then why are these house rules not like more standard? Like, why don't uh, why don't game shops just run their own casual version of Commander where they have different like house rules that are like rotating every like every other week that they run it? Like, that'd be kind of cool. It would spice up Commander. It would it add a new atmosphere. And Jonathan, you were saying something. Um. Uh, yeah, I was. I was just uh, going to try and uh, piggyback off. Uh, basically, saying like, if you're, if 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 everyone at the table is into competitive, I know there's some. I watched some YouTube videos where competitive people are like, "Oh, cool. Uh, we're interacting with each other, and it, games usually go by only like half an hour instead of two hours each. And if you're, if you're group is the is are the ones who enjoy that kind of speed then go right ahead but like again everyone is different and so it again that's where proxies would be able to come in because i've seen a couple t youtube uh channels uh i believe it was like the 99 or something like that it's a competitive youtube channel i can't remember the exact name of it but they use proxies all the time. Like, they fill half their decks with proxies because these cards are expensive. On the note yeah. of proxies, um, oh. I'd like proxies in the case of someone who could feasibly achieve that card in the near future. You know, maybe they're not set on buying that card yet and they want to playtest it for a little while. That's fine by me. But, like, if they're putting in a Black Lotus that they never actually <laughs> plan on buying themselves, you know, that, that's off-limits to me. It's like, no, come on. <laughs> right, um, Black Lotus is banned in EDH for a reason, because it's expensive. So, fair, I don't fair. know why anyone would be proxying a banned card just to play it and get <laughs> just now, thrown out. Just a flex. Now, the, um, to bring up that funny point about that proxy Black Lotus, technically we are legal to have a proxy Black Lotus in Commander because we have a legendary creature that produces Oh, it. yeah. <laughs> We're allowed to have a <laughs> copy token. A token, Chris. Come on. A copy token. But tokens are, are basically different, proxies because they can be anything. <laughs> so, right? That's basically I a proxy mean, at that point, right? Because it's exactly Black Lotus. <laughs> Go yeah, ahead, Ian. Token. Um, on, on the note of the house rules, though, I love house rules. I'm a huge fan of house rules. Um, like, I, like you were saying, it's a game. It's meant to be fun. I mean, if everyone decides one day they want to play sorceries at instant speed, let's try it out. That sounds, that sounds oh, so dinky to me. <laughs> oh, gosh. Sounds like you're wanting to play uh, Planes Chase. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like uh, what the what the funny ruling like speculation of maybe like well sorceries at instant speed but you're not allowed to have a single instant in your deck. Ooh, <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> um, I was gonna say that the the one note I want to add to that is that 
You know, if we're playing with newer players, make it known that we're bending the rules. That way they don't develop bad habits or expectations for what the rules are. Yeah. That is a very good point. I, I do like that point because that is something I think that's that's bad for new players. Like, okay, let's say you do go to a card shop and like um you you go into this table that's like I got a higher power level and you're like no, I got a pre-con, but my friends who play at this power level have trouble with this pre-con. Let's see how this goes. So they go into this table. They've been playing with this, like, these house rules that basically nobody attacks before turn four, like maybe something like low-key like that. They go to a shop, and they're playing in some semi-competitive decks, and this guy is swinging in turn one, haste on him, and he's like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? Like, yeah. So like now there's these weird cultures that are coming out because there's so many like house rulings that have just developed into the game that have just been spawned and then when people go to play at a local game store they don't have the same house rulings and usually in the rules zero conversation people don't ever talk about that they only talk about like how competitive is your deck what's your power level um sometimes they ask about win cons but they never ask about like what's your experience and what like house rulings you normally deal with. Like that's something that's just not discussed from what I noticed when I played at a well, shop. Wasn't it that um isn't a free mulligan a house rule? Um or it used to be. That that is a popular house rule, yes. One free mulligan. Uh I believe it was basically just adapted by everyone, and by that point it was quote-unquote a real rule. I mean, I could be wrong about this. I feel like I'm it wasn't sure. always a rule, yeah. Yeah, it definitely yeah, was not sure. always a rule, especially in the earlier days of Commander. That definitely was not a thing. I developed that as a house rule because it's like, it's a 100-card deck, and if you really get a crap hand, what are the odds of you getting another crap hand? So getting yeah. one free is so helpful. And, right. Like... I just think, like, some low-key rulings like that are nice. Like, you know, and then, like, I have my low-key ruling with Commander in particular that sometimes people like and sometimes they don't. Um, it depends who I'm playing with. Um, I have the really interesting stipulation of, you know, Commander damage of, well, I know, like, it didn't used to be this way because um, I've been playing Commander for a long time. Commander damage has been changed over the years initially it was any damage dealt by your commander so niv mizzet decks were obviously the one of the scariest decks back then because 21 damage <laughs> was lethal from pinging so that was a death sentence basically if you saw those very um the red white giant that flings creatures that was a death sentence that's not played really much anymore either um, I mean, Niv-Mizzet still pops around, but you see Niv-Mizzet pay ruin because that card's absolutely busted. But, like... Mm -hmm. um, but, like, when I play Commander, like, generally, I ask about, like, Commander damage rules, Inc. Because one of the things they did do before they eventually changed it was it changed the combat damage by any Commander. But they didn't specify it had to be one Commander and then you had to keep track of different Commanders. And so it was just like, oh, any commander hitting you is doing command damage. So, like, you only had 21 points to get hit by any commander. And I was like, that's cool, because then if you, you have to watch out for people's commanders hitting you too much, because you will die. So, like, there's a political aspect of, well, I won't swing my commander at you because you're being hit too much, but now you owe me a favor. Like, that's a low-key, like, political play 
that's normally not there because everyone's keeping track of different commanders. And generally, when I've seen people die to commander damage, it was all caused by one commander anyway. So why are we keeping track of all these different commander damages when generally one commander is the one that usually kills you anyway? Because it's in their strategy. That's fair. It's like little things like that that are just like, you know, it's a house ruling that like, if we put that into a competitive scene, like competitive players would lose their mind. They'd be playing aggro decks and there'd be control players trying to deal with these aggro decks. And would that slow them down? Would it turn them back into the battle cruiser magic? Who knows? <laughs> yes, Ian. I am I'm feeling I am unfamiliar with Battle Cruiser Magic. I keep hearing this term. What is this? So Battle Cruiser Magic, um, so like are you familiar with StarCraft? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love StarCraft. Okay. So like, you know, have you ever played games where everyone's like, don't attack until we all get like a, an army, right? So like you're building cruisers. Yeah. So that's okay. basically the idea. So like you're playing to like get board states. So you're playing to like turn seven or eight more so than like early game is basically yeah. what Battle Cruiser Magic is. It's supposed to be like later games of Commander. Which is more like what we played back when we were getting together and playing Commander um a lot. <laughs> you know, those yeah. good old yeah. days. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Battle Cruiser Magic. I like it. Yeah. That's called Battle Cruiser Magic. That's what everyone refers to it as. But um as far as this topic goes, I'm sorry, I kind of went on a little bit of a tangent. Uh, anybody else got any points on this, or should we just proceed to the next one, which might be damning for me? <laughs> I'm I'm thinking this is this is going to be a next uh, interesting one for sure. Next topic, at least. <laughs> okay. So, this next topic is our fourth topic here, which is EDH slash Commander Rule, uh, no, EDH, <laughs> EDH Commander Tuber slash Podcast Channels Providing Deck Construction Views and Optimal Deck Builds versus Lasagna Deck Builds. I like Lasagna. So, so okay. So to give you an idea, the lasagna deck build, uh, this is just an example. So like Commander Sphere, for example, um, Dan Sheehan and uh, Rachel Weeks, uh, their podcast, basically, they're all about casual play. They they play Commander very casually. They promote pro, uh, proxies. Um, they, they want to slow the games to make sure everybody's having a good time, generally. Um, they call it lasagna tier decks, basically playing a more fair deck that everybody can enjoy like somebody playing against your deck it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like nails on a chalkboard it feels like you're having a good wholesome magic game you know you get to see the tiers of the deck and how it functions um versus like optimal builds as the basically the opposite i would say um and in particular with this like so game nights is huge it's very popular everybody's pretty much heard about them um they're a very big youtube channel they have a podcast i watch them i listen to them um there's a lot of them out there i hate your deck all these other ones goldfish um goldfish is more casual as a more casual but they do have some competitive like gameplay styles but they play more like battle cruiser magic um, but like my complaint here is so with how popular game nights is 
and how competitive sometimes their decks are and how how at home sometimes they drive that ball of you need to optimize your deck your deck needs to be on point you need to run this many draw cards you need to run this many land search cards and then you need to have like 20 of what your commander's theme is and like people are listening to these builds and you see more and more of these builds out here i mean yeah it's good for new players to learn the deck deck like that but like are you teaching them to play competitively or more casually because promoting this kind of style of thinking is promoting more of a competitive atmosphere for a format designed to be casual and i feel like you know I love I like their videos. I love their podcasts. I think they bring up some really good points. But like some of the cards that like they don't like because it's mana cost is too costly for what it does. It's like, but isn't that what commanders for is to play these really costly, silly, over the top cards because what other format can actually play these? <laughs> yeah. It's all about that late game. Yeah. And they're kind of promoting like this optimal you want to play low cost, good value cards. So like that's more like a competitive onlook than a casual. And I think like they're promoting more of a competitive atmosphere. I know like there is a competitive atmosphere out there, but they're more aiming at that than they are at the casuals. It feels like that to me because of how they do their deck builds. Yeah, and uh, the, with that least uh, with that least YouTube videos and such, um, I I see that all the time, and the I'm pretty sure the only reason why they're doing optimized builds and all that, getting everyone's attention, is because of the money. Like pretty much that's just all that it boils down to, and people want to watch. Okay, how do I optimize my build so I can go against my Black Lotus playing friend over in the corner <laughs> over there. <laughs> Maybe we should use like something like Black Lotus because that's bad. That's a bad example. Let's go with yeah, something I like know, I know. I was just something more a, realistic. <laughs> making a funny remark on that, but uh, anyways, uh, like, but you you get the idea. Um, but yeah. yeah, like again, there's there's people like that, and then I do follow a couple of the uh, other channels that are like okay we're playing basically jank and up to maybe focused uh what a couple of them i know there was uh a couple to list off um commander's quarters is the one i usually follow because they're building decks like even a dollar or under oh yeah Commander Quarters is a solid, solid YouTube yeah, channel. They I were, love that one. He is such... I can't remember his name. Do you know his name? Mitch. Mitch? Yeah. Mitch, Mitch is a great deck builder. Like, he builds some of the best budget decks I have seen. And I've never even heard about these builds either. Right? Exactly. What was that called? Commander Quarters? Yeah. Uh, Commander's Quarters. Commander's like, Quarters. Yeah. And then... Uh, there, there's one that I haven't been keeping track of, because I don't think they've been putting up a whole bunch of videos lately, and I still need to double-check, but, uh, there's also, uh, a channel called Quest for the Jank Lore. Oh, boy. It, it, yeah, I, I absolutely love this 
tale of Canada. You need to send not, that not in the messenger. You need to put that in the messenger. Send yeah. that to me. Yeah, I need to see this yeah. jank. I'm all about that jank. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it, you'll. I know you'll love it because they. It's essentially a story where it's like, okay, I, I play where we're we love magic. We want more cards. They make a deal and get sent to hell. So now they're playing magic forevermore. Oh my god. So essentially every episode is the this uh demon is choosing their commanders for them that are like 76 cents and under and they have to build their decks based around cards <laughs> that are 76 cents and under and fight each other to essentially get like a month free from this hellhole or whatnot. Uh, yeah, no, I I need to share it to you sometime here. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Um, but like anybody else like does anybody else have feelings like how do, how do you feel about like people showing their deck list talking about deck builds like does it feel like they're promoting casual as much? Like, obviously, we have things like Commander Quarters, who is a casual one. I don't know about this new Jank Lord one that you're talking about. I know Goldfish; they're pretty, they're pretty softcore Jank. Like, they do have some competitive builds, but they're pretty, they're pretty casual for what they do. And you know, I think like it, it depends on which which channel we're talking about. I think. Yeah, I feel like a good channel honestly would have a balance of both because there's plenty of players on either side of the spectrum so yeah and like i i, I say like i didn't i don't want to sound like i'm bashing on game nights but like they do have really good videos about pre-con upgrades like they do a 30 30 budget upgrade to a pre-con that is obtainable and they're usually yeah. like not hard cards to get a hold of, and that is something that's really nice. That's a casual thing that they do promote. It's just like you know, but some of their promoting deck tech upgrades is to optimize the deck, which unfortunately kind of leans into that competitive zone, and that's the thing I don't really like that they're promoting. And being that they're so popular, they are setting that atmosphere in our format. I feel like competitive definitely has its place, though. You know, it's really fun, especially for new players, to get super competitive. But I honestly feel like more new players are prone to the competitive style. Um, and I don't know if that is influenced by podcasts and channels like that, but... You know, it feels good to win turn three, but after a while, you just get kind of bored with it. So then you look into Jank and all the madness with that. Yeah, but if like you're in a competitive pod, you can't do that because you just get deleted, right? Yeah. I, I just mean it does have its place. So I feel like a good pod might have a balance as well. You know, they, they all have their competitive decks, but then also have their just weird casual decks. Yeah. Ian, how much have you watched? Because I'm not sure if you watched much. None of this. I'll watch <laughs> the occasional, like, <clears throat> um, like, PTQ on YouTube, stuff like that. 
But I haven't really watched any of these commander channels. Okay. Um. All right. Well, I guess we'll just move on to the next one since I think we all have like a pretty good view on that. Like, there's a there is competitive, and then there is casual channels. You know. And yeah. Like, I think like it depends like what you view into and what your play group is. I think you need to know what your play group is before you can even go into it. And like, that's where I think this is where the fifth topic is going to lead into, which is should rule zero even exist or the fact we have a rule zero promote is promoting competitive players. Um, I think rule zero is good when you're playing at home, when you're going to a card shop, um, yeah, you can have a rule zero conversation, but like, okay, let's think about commander. I don't know how I know Jonathan and uh, I know Jonathan's semi newish to commander and magic in general. I, you've been playing for what, like three years now? Something like that. And the first time I've tried to, uh, get in, of course, it's, uh, it was, I think back in, uh, cons of Tarkir, and I remember somebody playing, or somebody trying to teach me standard, I bring in my new deck, was like, oh, hey, look, I'm doing Abzan stuff, and he just goes in with a Jeskai deck and counters every little spell oh. I've got, and I'm just like, <laughs> great. And you kept playing <laughs> after that? teaching me this game. Right. Yeah, they, they, he, he tried to, and I mean, sure, it, it does set the standard sort of thing where it's like, okay, you're playing one-on-one, -on -one, you're trying to win sort of thing, and that's sort of more or less the mentality of standard, whereas, again, EDH is casual. Yeah, so, like, if you think of it that way, doesn't Commander feel like it's going more in that direction where people are just trying to win and not just trying to enjoy the game? And that's kind of like, so like, well, I'll talk about like when I was playing Commander from back in the days I was playing Commander, I could just go and sit down at a table, pull out my deck and play a game. I would see my opponent's Commander. I wouldn't ask what's going on with their deck. I just play against it and hope that they're that I can do something against them. I wouldn't care what's in their deck. I just see how it goes. And that was Commander for a good part of my Commander career was you sat down and played. Like you didn't ask these questions of what, how strong is your deck? Uh, how much money did you funnel into your deck? Uh, how much mana base did you spend on your deck? Uh, you know, all these little silly questions that are being asked nowadays. It's like, okay, since when are we having to have these conversations? The fact that we're having to have these conversations tells you there's something wrong with the format. I, I agree. I think it really coagulates the gameplay. And, like, one of the big topics of Commander recently is, like, is should there be a separate list for competitive and casual? And I'm kind of leaning towards the, the side of, I think we're getting to that point where casual and competitive need to be separate. Because people cannot gauge power levels. It is impossible. Like I said, I'm playing levels, a power level 7 deck. I got the dream hand. I won turn 3. My deck's not built to do that, but it did. Like, my deck's now competitive because it did a turn three win condition that's like a dream hand. I got the best hand in 
of all time and I won super early because of it, does that make it competitive? No, it doesn't. It means I got situationally really lucky. (laughs) You know, and like with that in mind, like so if we separate competitive versus casual, like maybe what we do to fix casual commander is maybe we start slowing down the game by getting rid of one to zero drop fast mana, right? Because then we're all having to play at a slower game, which means we all have a chance to play our decks. Soul Ring? Yeah. So, yes, <laughs> yeah. I feel like we're going to the Soul Ring conversation here. I know I've heard this multiple times just around the internet and such. Oh, we need to ban Soul Ring. I mean, when it was a basically integral part of the game early on, and it's just kind of... I, I'm... I'm just about sick of hearing what should Solreen be banned? Just like I don't know. I don't I feel like it shouldn't, but then again it's so one one out of a ninety-nine card deck essentially is what it is, so I see it more of like, are you searching for that Solreen or whatnot? It's if if they're starting to play more what or there's if they're if Wizards is planning on uh, doing more zero cost or one cost mana fixers, then yeah, we, it sounds like that's starting to get to the point where we're going to probably have to ban Solreen at some point. I'd be okay with that. I've got one. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, mean, I personally don't throw Solreen into like 75% of my decks because I'm playing bears. <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> Well, like, maybe, like, for casual players, like, maybe you're right, like, why should I be banned to use a pre-con card? Like, wait, I can't use a card in my pre-con deck because of casual rules? Well, how about we do an errata where you can't play Sol Ring turn one, and every, like, fast mana rock has to be played turn two? Is that fair? Does that, like... Because then that way, everybody has a chance to have some way of doing something. Like, you're not just like, Soul Ring, Mana Vault, um, Mana Crypt, um, yeah, Jeweled Lotus, by Commander in into play with a combo crypt. piece. Speaking of Mana Crypt, someone right. casual, right? right? In our, uh, <laughs> for draft. <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah, that's where... That's where the fast man is coming in with the uh, money, at least. And that's, again, where casual and competitive draw the uh, line, whereas casual seems to be more of a budget-tier sort of area rather than uh, I'm spending thousands of dollars on each deck to get my mana crypt out turn zero. You leave my soul ring alone. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, on this topic, boring spare, right? Yeah. On this topic, I like the idea of popper commander. Like every card <laughs> in there has to be common, except the commander, because I don't think you can find a legendary common. This They're getting too uncommon. There is one common. Really? Yeah. Um, I believe it came out in Commander Legends. Prismatic Piper. Oh. Essentially. It is a yeah, common. Holy crud, you, you can do it totally. 
<laughs> oh my god, so commander, everyone has to play 99 cards and their commander is prismatic type. It, it would be <laughs> every deck is prismatic type. You could call it a a Piper Popper deck. <laughs> I like the idea of a commander and his poppers. Uh, every deck is monocolored and popper. Yeah, oh it's a boy. colorless Where commander that you take a color and that's the color you can use. So that is such a funny deck. And it's a common. <laughs> I love this. Oh, that's I think, hilarious. I think that should, be, uh, that should be a game that we need to do in our league that we're making. Yeah. Prismatic hyper yes. deck. <laughs> yes, I love no it. I am already in love with it. Nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> and it has to be popper. Oh, it has to be popper. <laughs> That's genius. I love it. <laughs> I forgot that that was a common. That is a common. Well, it's an S tier common where it's just like. They have to put it in, but it is counted as a common. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Funny little things they do in order to make draft work. But, like, but like in all seriousness, seriousness, should rule zero exist, though? What's everyone's opinion? Let's in, get it out. Uh, in, in basically, I say in... I I I don't want to sound like the the person that's like oh do only do this in private but that's really what it comes down to just like you're it it's going to confuse too many people if everyone's expected to go out and say okay let's go ahead and make some rules here uh that uh, that's probably if you're wanting to play more casual and it's probably you have to at least try to get a group of people to agree that okay if we're wanting to play this way we want to meet up at some time somewhere that's where you make your rule zeros and all that unless it's like a quick rule like oh hey we're playing planes chase do we want to force roll one uh, at minimum one die a turn to keep things flowing instead of somebody sitting on a deck and or a or a a plane and them essentially outwinning the game because everyone's rolling crap and they're just sitting there with all this uh, value. Hey, you leave my my sloth deck alone, okay? It was the biggest <laughs> thing of being stacked. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I ended up winning because I pulled one of my combos out, but like again, I'm sorry, I'm a big combo player. I don't like playing combos turn three. I wait until turn six or seven. I don't usually search for combos unless it's pillow fort, but that's a different story. <laughs> uh, you were going to say something, Ian? Uh, yeah, so as far as rule zero goes, I like it because, I mean, basically everyone's already been doing house rules. But as, when, it goes, when it comes to the card shop, yeah, it's kind of confusing. But as far as, like, you know, playing on your casual group at home, you're hanging out, I think it encourages people to experiment with house rules. So in that in that respect, I, I kind of like it. It's like, hey, let's discuss rule zero before we play. Maybe we want to do our sorcerer's instance this time, and people find out they like it. Yeah. 
until somebody gets fireballed in the face. <laughs> At instant speed on their upkeep. <laughs> Kayla? Um, I agree with Ian. I think it I think the rule zero allows for I guess some more creative play and I think if we want it in card shops and things like that, um, it's going to have to be a little more standardized, you know, not just like, oh, here's the power level I took off Reddit. Like, there's going to have to be some fine tuning and like a way to rate your decks, but I think overall it's useful. Yeah. And, like, okay, so with everybody's points aside, like, everything we just said was basically casual, right? We all just emphasize casual talking about this. Like, rule zero is great for casual. Okay. Nothing here did we ever say anything about rule zero or anything, like, competitive or power levels. Like, we didn't mention any of that just now, right? So that shouldn't exist. The fact that that exists is what's making competitive exist. And since this is a casual format, if people want to play a, ca a competitive commander, maybe they need to be a... There needs to be a competitive commander. Maybe that just needs to be a thing. And it's being like, well, if you come down and sit at a commander table, uh, we're playing competitive commander. Okay, you guys have different ban listing uh, than what I do with casual commander. I'm going to go sit at another table. Like, maybe we switched commander to be competitive, and then we just change casual commander back to EDH. Like, yeah, it's the same thing, but like, we get, like, EDH was always supposed to be casual. It was always supposed to be long dragon battles. It was back when it was originally made, everybody just used the Elder Dragons that had seven power, seven toughness. So, three strikes, you're dead, was the original commander, you know, the commander stipulations of EDH. So, like, okay, that was what it was built on. So, we don't need, we don't need it to be fast. We need it to be fun. And we need everybody to enjoy and interact with each other. Like, you don't have to be playing hardcore control and make sure that nobody else is playing the game, just you. No, we, we want everybody to have fun. We, I mean, <laughs> there's some times where you're playing a degenerate deck, but like, nobody's having fun when you're just like not letting anybody do anything or just comboing out and not letting anybody else play. So, Yes, I think this is one of those things that I'm going to be one of those people that's going to go out and write and say, I think competitive needs to be its own thing and it needs to get out of Commander. Um, what is your opinions on that? I completely agree. Yeah, nothing, nothing much to say about that. I mean, yeah, uh, if it's starting to get to the point where it's rule zero... Maybe we should probably need be splitting it up. I mean, that's pretty much what rule zero is. And so it's like, hey, are you playing competitive? If they say yes, then you move on to a different table or whatnot and try to have people who want to play on the same level as you. So it's we it's starting to be like we've got to start to separate it, not tech, not quite. Essentially, pull it apart uh, and do all that, but yeah, it's 
pretty on point what you're saying over there, though. Yeah, I would say it almost gets to the point of, like, if you sit down at a table with someone who's got a competitive EDH deck and I've got, you know, a parlo four or pre-con something, it almost feels like I'm playing, like, my casual 60-card deck versus someone's fine-tuned modern deck. It's like that that level of difference. Yeah. And that is yeah, I'm think Yeah. Yeah. Kayla, um, I see you just finally came back. Um, what is your thought? Um, I'm sort of under the idea that... Yeah, if you go to a shop to play and somebody does say they have casual or competitive, that should give you an idea of who you want to play with, but you just keep running into the issue of people not knowing what their decks are capable of, so <laughs> I'm not sure how to get around that. Yeah, like, the power level is such a flawed system, like, it's, there's so many different factors, there's too much. Like, like Jonathan said earlier, I think there needs, and I think you agreed with him, I think there needs to be a fine-tuned power level, or we go with the extremist route, which Jonathan said we should probably hold off from doing, of pulling the two competitive and casual apart and having two sets of rules for each format. Because, yeah. like, in a casual atmosphere, who is actually playing Flash? I actually have the card Flash, but I was never exploiting it like they were in uh, competitive. Uh, Protean Hulk, gross. <laughs> I got unbanned. Like, there's some. Yeah, that got unbanned. And they banned Flash for literally banned. competitive. <laughs> right? Well, and they Protean were. Protean Hulk alone doesn't really work. And it's like, the Flash is what made it. Uh, super competitive and basically just overruled all of EDH there, pretty much. Ian, are you aware of what Flash does, or do I need to give you a crash course? I just looked at it. Okay. <laughs> so, how was this abused? So, people were so, um, playing Protean Hulk, um, which is like a 5-cost, right, Jonathan? It's a six cost. I it's think. a six cost. Um, are you pulling that up too? Mm -hmm. It's a pro and then T E A N or U N. Yeah. And they were doing that like turn one. Yeah. Like wow. And they're like, yeah, you turn need to one, pull out your like, combo and win. But that's what competitive is, right? That's what they're supposed to do. So why did you ban yeah. it? Isn't that what you guys are playing as fast magic? <laughs> oh, okay, I see. I see. So you flash in Protean Hulk, you sacrifice it, and then you get that. Yeah, you don't even pay the, the mana cost of Protean Hulk. You just flash it in, and it dies because you have to sack it because you didn't pay its cost. Right. That's stupid. But, like, think about it. Like, you do that with a, a Solemn. Isn't that just a good combo? <laughs> <laughs> a song, song Akram. You go grab a land and you draw a card for two mana. I like that. That's, That's so really good. good. <laughs> That's not broken. But people are breaking it because they're playing in this like competitive ideal, you know. They're doing this 
this fast magic that that's being promoted these optimal plays this i have to gear to win and not let my opponents uh, do anything and try to win before they can respond to me and that's what the that's what the competitive atmosphere is Because, like, in casual, like, most of the time when I'm playing a deck, like, I think the most casual deck I'm going to mention here is Borat, right? Borat? Yeah, my Borat Very deck. Very nice. That, Very nice. That, that's, like, my super casual deck, yeah? Super. Yeah, it's super. It is definitely super casual. I, yeah, totally. <laughs> it's like, okay, so, like, the budget on that deck, I, I priced out the entire deck. That deck is under $50. <laughs> the most expensive card in the deck is Court of Calling. And I didn't buy it. I had one. You had one. Everything yeah. else in that deck is under $5. Or under a dollar, for the most part. For, like, most of the combo piece in my deck is basically... The combo in the deck is, like, 25 bucks at most. Yeah. It's more than, like three cards for the combo isn't it yeah yeah it's so janky. yeah, yeah it's, it's like the most jankiest thing and i i absolutely love it um i think everyone here has played against it yeah it's it it, it is pretty nice like but, like, that's not winning, winning on turn four, though. Like, everyone was playing their decks still, you know? Everybody was still doing relatively what they were doing. It's not like I was really hindering anybody. I wasn't, like, being, like, board wipe, board wipe, you know, interaction every single turn. Yeah. And I think, like, the competitive nature of what's developed kind of has driven away people from just playing the game playing to just develop their board getting value we have all these players just trying to combo combo out and win i know you're a combo player i'm a combo player but like yeah. everybody's still establishing boards when i'm playing my moret deck you know right it's not like i'm like denying every single play from every single opponent and that's what competitive right. loves yeah, and that's what my combos at least tend to be, unless it's just like, it's not quite something like Earthcraft Squirrel's Nest, I win, but. <laughs> uh, but like, but I generally tend to go more for the, okay, I combo into something big so I can smack people in the face with it, is all it is. Yeah. And so like, that's what I generally Kayla, like, to go for. And like Kayla like killing us with um her elves because she had ten untapped elves that one game. <laughs> because hey, I knocked your life little down. <laughs> uh, that that game I like I pr pretty much I was everything that had been just thrown out. Like I think I was playing Coma that one time and everyone just the second I just play something, oh no, it's a Llanowar Elves, I'm going to nuke it. It's like, I am only playing an elf. <laughs> what is wrong with this? It's a coma deck. <laughs> Don't worry about it, it's only coma. I made it more serpent tribal than anything else. <laughs> Must destroy on site.
Oh no! Just but like with how commanders are designed nowadays, like they're promoting fast play too. Like we look back, like like that the second set of commanders are released. Let's look at Orlo for example. Are you, are you winning with Orlo nowadays? Uh, de- well, again, depends on the combo, but that's that's where we're getting back into the the gist of things where it's like, oh, we're we're pumping money into Orlo to win turn two, and that's again where the competitive comes in where it's like, where where are you establishing things in this? Yeah. <laughs> Did you say so, you're playing the world, Angel's Ascetic? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that was my first pre-con deck I built. Nice. Yeah. But, like, think about it, like, nowadays compared to, like, the newer commanders we've gotten over the years. Like, how does that hold up to nowadays? He wasn't that great in hindsight. No, he wasn't. He was just a, he was just a sit-back, relaxed commander. He was, he was the epitome of casual Esper. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with the art. <laughs> oh yeah, you gotta sit back in your chair. <laughs> gotta gotta lounge for this game. Get get comfy here. <laughs> yeah, and then they turned his passive ability into eminence, and they they gave that yeah. to like that, that vampire dude. Every time you cast a vampire spell, you get a free token. Ugh. Edgar Markov, Edgar, why? <laughs> They also did it to like the dragon, the wizard, the kitty, kitty, kitty. Please don't slap me in the face for eight damage. Turn two, please. <laughs> uh, I actually like the cat. The cat's kind of what I want originally wanted. Just like, okay, I want to punch people in the face with big games and interact with my cards, see what they do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, there's like a slight delay on my camera, so I'm, I've been having fun. I don't know if you guys have noticed that. <laughs> I've, been, uh, I've been doodling with yeah, my I head for a while. I can see that. No, you're... I, like, that's... That, I'm, I'm trying to hold back from cracking up with this. And it's <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit of a weirdo, so I make a lot of weird faces and stuff. I'm great with kids. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I I absolutely love it. Um, but like, yeah, like I think I think Rule Zero. I think it needs to exist for casual players. But as competitive players goes, you shouldn't even been saying anything. If you're trying to fit in like four games in two hours, you're playing competitive, right? That's not casual. Yeah. You're 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 in the competitive zone if you're thinking like that. That is competitive. Casual is um, you're playing a long drawn out game. Somebody was about to win and then a board wipe happened, and then you're all reset. <laughs> yep, that's casual. Yeah. That is casual. <laughs> and everybody's spending the next like two to three turns rebuilding, not trying to close out the game, just rebuilding. Competitive players are trying to close out the game after a board wipe. <laughs> so yeah, for 
for fear of another competitive person dro- uh, winning out the game. <laughs> and then there's stacks. If you're really wanting drawn-out oh, games, just play stacks, apparently. Oh, jeez. I mean, Jonathan, you enjoyed my sloth deck. Oh, that... <laughs> I, I do enjoy your sloth deck. As much as I've gr- grown at the sight of this sloth, I absolutely love it. Every little bit of it. <laughs> just because I'm playing fair stacks, because I'm also <sighs> being afflicted by it. <laughs> I was, uh... Well, there's... Yeah, I mean, the way you kind of built it, you know, speaking like it's a slow stack, so it's just like, as the game go is going, it's like, whoa there, are you doing that? Wait, wait just a second, just slow down just a little, it's not like complete, halt the game, basic uh, combo of Teferi and Knowledge Pool sort of thing, where it's like, okay, I'm playing stacks, I win because you can't play the game. Or like Trinith, Magistrate, Knowledge Pool, Knowledge Pool, Knowledge Pool, Knowledge Pool, any number of these cards make you not let you play any game. Yep, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like, so like, cards like Knowledge Pool, it's a bulk rare, and like, you know, okay, so everybody's playing this evil stacks card because there's so many dumb combos with it nowadays. Is it a bulk rare? I'm pretty sure it's at like 20 bucks. It is 50 it's cents. It's 50 cents. It's 50 cents. I've got to look at cents. this myself. <laughs> There's no way it, it's priced it, as gone It up. definitely used to be a bulk rare. I remember I used to have one. I didn't think anything of it. It's what card still is a bulk it? Rare. Knowledge pool. Knowledge pool. It's. Yeah. It's one of those cards where. It on pr- on print, it doesn't really say anything. It's just like, oh, it helps people out. It's a really rules lawyery card, and the second you play it, everyone that's not really a combo player or anything goes like, wait, hold up, what's happening and why? You need to explain this to me at least a couple times. It's sixty-five cents. Holy crap. That's too 65. expensive. That's too that that's uh, too competitive. We we can't play that. That's way too competitive. Too expensive. That's way too competitive. <laughs> it's no, one of those I, cards I, that, like, know, that... It, it changes the game of magic once you play that card and and to play. Ah, uh, now what's bothering me more and more about this knowledge pool is that it's sixty five cents right now, and then something like. Spellweaver Helix is three bucks, and you in the EDH you can only play one card with that, like literally just one card with that. <laughs> or like a uh, Void Mirror where it says, "Hey, guess what? Nobody's casting any spells on Knowledge Pool. Let's have a fun game now." Uh, it's a true drop artifact. Who doesn't know what knowledge pool is is gonna go look it up. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yep, that's, that's about right. They're gonna look it up and they'll be like, "Whoa, this card's freaking sweet!" And they'll play a knowledge pool, and their opponent drops a uh, Dranith Magistrate, and everybody just looks at them, and they're like, "What? It's in my deck." Uh, but I'm not <laughs> running knowledge pool. This fool is. <laughs> uh, now what was there was a there was a card that uh was just printed in forgotten realms 
Um, is that kind of like knowledge pool? Uh, I believe it's the enchantment Share the Spoils, and it came in the Prosper deck. No. Uh, can't. I don't like... so. Oh, yes, it is. It is exactly like knowledge pool, actually. You're right. Is it, I don't think it's forcing anyone to play... F no, it's not forcing anyone to play from there. But, but essentially, like... So. It's, it's not quite like Knowledge Pool, where Knowledge Pool forces you to exile it and do that. Share the spoils, it's... Okay, we put everything in a pile, and then if you want, you can draw out from the pile, but you've got to exile something in return. Well, no. That's not what that one does. That one, you exile the top card of every player's library, and then anybody can cast those cards. Yeah. And then when a player loses the game, you do it again. But you don't replace the cards like knowledgeable. You just cast that card. I mean, that's essentially just... Because, like, it's saying every time you cast from that pile, you have to exile from the top of your library. Does it? I'm pretty sure it doesn't. I'm pretty sure... Yeah, let me... Yeah, it's whenever it comes in, or whenever opponent loses the... Or whenever a player loses the game, uh, exile the top card, and then during each player's turn, that player may play a land or cast a spell from among cards exiled with Share the Spoils. And they may, they, and they may spend mana as though it were mana of any color cast that spell. When they uh, do, exile the top card of their library. Um, what color was it again? Red? Mono red. Sure, the spoils. Okay. I'm uh, sorry, I'm just pulling it up. I, I, I'm just... Yeah, it's a, it's, it's, it's a brand new card, so I, I'm understanding that it's so, not quite too... It's not as... Damning as like knowledgeable, you could still damning, ask yeah. from your hand with share the spoils versus knowledgeable that just says anytime you'd cast from your hand, you have to cast from knowledge pool. You put yeah, that's card. what I would say. Yeah, essentially, are just this an afterthought a okay. version of knowledge pool for sure. This is not one yeah. that just stops the game. This one just makes it more heinous <laughs> because it's more. Yeah. So I instantly fell in love with this card the second I saw it. Sorry, go ahead. Oh no, that's I was just I was just saying I fell in love with the card the second I saw it, but what were you saying? Oh, I was just saying like, you know, it's a really good card until somebody rips something into there that nobody likes and then the enchantment gets nuked and all your cards are in exile. <laughs> just like knowledge pool. <laughs> just like knowledge pool. Exactly. <laughs> so Okay, we're getting a little bit, like, away from what our topic was, but that's fine. You know, that's what we do these podcasts for, because that is a good time. We need to talk about random crap anyway, so... Yeah. <laughs> that's half the fun. Exactly. Um, but, like, as far as Rule Zero is concerned, I think, like, it's great for casuals. It It's being used to separate casuals and competitive players, but it's doing a really terrible job of doing that. And I think just because the Rule Zero conversation is what's trying to sort that, I think that Rule Zero should not be used to determine competitive. Like, asking power level is a horrid question. We already discussed, like, you know, 
there's too many too many variables that can make a deck competitive when a deck's not competitive you know it's situational unless you built your deck to be competitive you built your deck to be competitive it's competitive like you're a competitive player oh my deck's casual though no you're a competitive player you're going to be playing your deck competitively which means you need to be playing with the competitive community more than the casuals because us casuals are not going to be winning on turn five or six. We're going to be winning turn 12 or <laughs> who knows? Who knows if somebody world slayered the game and we all have to wait there to get all our lands back. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I specified that, that, that little scenario because I know it happened to Ian. I was not there that game, but how long was that game already going on when that happened? I think I was the one that had the World Slayer. And we were at Brian's house. And it had been going on for quite a while. World Slayer hit. The entire field went bye-bye. And I went to sleep. I think I got knocked out shortly after that. And the game just kept going on for like another hour. And I had gone to sleep at that point. <laughs> You've gone to sleep at that point. Just going to sleep and just playing World Slayer. Oh, that's hilarious. So, like, that game started at like 10 p.m. and it went on. Like, didn't it? Then the World Slayer hit at like midnight and then the game went on till like 2 a.m. If, if yeah. I remember that story correctly. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god, I would have conceded. <laughs> yeah, the competitive player would have lost their mind when that with that would have happened, and the game dragged out that long. <laughs> yeah, reminds me of uh, this story I heard where this guy loves to play Narset. It's not it's not constant turns. It was just Narset filled with board wipes. Oh, jeez. Nothing but board wipes. So Narset would swing in, hit a board wipe, everyone's lands were gone. No. Armageddon. It's just like, <laughs> I'm the only one with a creature. I'll be board wiping every turn until I win. And it's just... Uh, and I'm, I'm just in there like, why are you even play in this game if you're just going to board wipe every turn. <laughs> so, like, with that in mind, like, I, I I understand the control strategy, and that's probably what that is. But, like, yeah. I've gone up against a deck like that that was just filled to the brim of board wipes. You know, I spent 14 mana to cast a 4-drop commander because I had nothing to do. Because the board wipes are happening from one player that many times that game. Exactly. And the game wasn't ending until... Okay, I, I cast my commander 14 times. That should tell you, okay, we're playing casual and you're doing this board wipe thing. Now, I want you to low-key know this. When I, played, when I went up against this player, the player asked this one question of, you're not playing land destruction, right? And then they proceeded to board wipe me all game long. Uh, <laughs> I was like a little livid, and I was, and this is one of those moments where I considered putting Armageddon in decks. 
just to spite them for all the board wipes they put me through. I kid you not, I think I saw eight board wipes that game from that one player. Yeah. So. Like, okay. That's casual. I get it. But at the same time, Sounds like it's not quite don't as do casual that. as they thought. Uh, I mean, it can be considered casual. It's just not fun casual for anyone else. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> and like, do, do I go into a rule zero and be like, okay, how many board wipes are you running? I'm running above eight. I don't want to play against the stack. <laughs> but like, like there's like low keys like that. Like you know, maybe like casuals like put in some like some like stricter like optimized rules so, like you have to have limited slots for things like maybe that might be interesting to do with like our league maybe to test out like you can only run two board wipes make them count make them good <laughs> you know like dexter yeah. like that like i know control like i'm not i'm not saying you shouldn't do it i'm just saying like you know if you're playing casual and you tell somebody not to play land destruction and then you proceed to board wipe them eight times that person's going to play land destruction the next time you, you play them because they're going to do it because you told them not to do that and you freaking board wipe them all game long, that one game. And that's that like pre-game knowledge that sometimes is talked about. <laughs> the, right. The, well, I remember what you did last game. Are you ready for my revenge? <laughs> uh... Like I think I've done that to Jonathan's Orvar deck because it's only tentacle tribal. Don't worry about it. Those crabs aren't tentacles, Jonathan. You cannot tell me that. How many cards did he mill of you, Kayla? Uh, uh, one too I... many. <laughs> I'm only playing lands. What's wrong with good crab guys? Come on! Why are you targeting me like that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I I did build a a new commander deck just to take out your Silvar because Silvar made me so mad. <laughs> Everybody's picking on Jonathan. Everyone's picking on me, and somebody else just sneaks in from behind. <laughs> and I only play like three or four board wipes in Silvar. And that's the only way I'm able to get Silvar to work, because there aren't any human token producing. Please, Innistrad, fix this! <laughs> I mean, there's plenty, you're just not playing enough of them. They're... They're not as effective as they should be. Like, again, there's one, one thing where it's just like, okay, majority of them are like again, like with my Silvar, I want to. I want. It's. I don't want competitive things where it's like turn three. I'm making humans. I want a repeatable thing. I want to be like okay, Captain's Claws for. Just give me Captain's Claws for humans, please. And it just makes soldiers. That's the one thing that's making me angry about that. Just. Pure soldiers, why can't you just do something nice for humans? Oh, right, because they keep printing things like Rick. 
You leave Walking Dead out of this. Oh, <laughs> oh that's, that's just a whole nother Secret story. Secret Lair is a whole nother story we might talk about someday. But I think right now, I think we're all a little bit done for this episode, I think. Um, and yeah. I, th- I think we're good here. Um, I think we had a pretty good talk. We hit on the nail. I think everything we needed to. And, you know... We'll see what happens. Like maybe other groups will talk about it. I've I've heard so many, so many podcasts talk about the rule zero conversation repeated repetitively. Blah, 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 blah. Sorry, my tongue doesn't want to work because of what I'm coughing my system. <laughs> um but yeah, like I think I think the format um would be a lot better if like we really can just differentiate the have defer the because i can't speak right now like the difference between casuals and competitives okay like competitive magic mm-hmm. there is already so many formats to go play that man just just go do something like that like commander right. was never built to do that it was meant to just enjoy the game and have a good time it was it was never supposed to be something that was I have optimal plays to make sure I'm doing things by turn four. <laughs> yes, yes. My, my most esteemed estate is performing at the peak efficiency. Oh. No, we want to be the long drawn out countries going to war. We don't want to be the rich magistrates pillaging on the poor people who can't afford to keep up with them. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, with that, I think we're going to close it out. Uh, we'll keep you posted maybe on the next episode we're going to be doing. Um, could be a number of things. Um, but this is Chris, and I'll let everybody do an exit. Uh, this is Kayla. Again, it's Jonathan here. And Ian. I had fun doing this. Oh yeah, yeah. this is a good time. I think um, the four of us maybe we'll talk again when we have another big important topic to talk about. I think this was a lot of fun. Having a lot of different takes really helps alleviate some of the pressures that we sometimes have. Yeah, and yeah. Going forward, maybe we'll keep these two guests more <laughs> reoccurring. So, uh, but this has been made in EDH, and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.